Hi, my name is Paul Ford, and you are listening to Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue. And I am joined today by our occasional co-host, Gina Trapani. Hello, Paul. Gina, what do you do here at Postlight? Well, Paul, I'm a partner here at Postlight and a director of engineering, and I occasionally co-host the podcast. Thank you for having me today. It's great to have you here. Should we tell the people what Postlight is and what it does? Let's do that. So Postlight is a digital product studio, which means we make the apps that you hold in your hand on your phone or the ones that you use in your web browser. It also means we build the platforms underneath the apps that make them go. Gina, have you ever built a platform? A couple, just a few. (laughs) Just a dozen. Um, So who do we have in the studio today? Today, I am so excited to have in the studio with us, Jen Schiffer. Hi. Community engineer at Glitch, or I should say, I guess, at Fog Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get the, a lot of times people are like, oh, you work at this new company called Glitch. And I'm like, oh, I know, I work on a product called Glitch at Fog Creek. And then they stop listening halfway through there. <laughs> Ye old product yeah. and company name. <laughs> yes, <laughs> split. I understand. Yeah. So let's let's break some of the things down a little bit, right? So I know you mostly by following your Twitter for many years. Mm-hmm. where you have many strong opinions about many things. Mm-hmm. And you took this job at Glitch, it feels like not too long ago. I've been there for about seven months. Okay. Oh, that's longer than I realized. Cool. Tell the people, what is Glitch? Glitch at glitch.com is an in-browser editor um, that auto-deploys your code. There's a bunch of these that already exist. Glitch allows you to build full-stack apps as opposed to just front-end or static stuff. You can still do front and static, but we have a focus on node applications. But basically, you get your own free container, big computer, as I call them, and you can just create the app of your dreams. Um, And we are building community around it. We're trying to make it a social coding platform so that you can see what other people are making. You can remix their projects, which is kind of like cloning projects on GitHub, except you don't have to worry about how to get those projects on the internet. We put them on there for you. I mean, the history of Fog Creek is building tools to lower the barriers for developers to build great things, and Glitch is just like the next part of that story. So when I set up a project on Glitch, I don't have to like configure Webpack and put together my Docker container and set up my AWS deploy job. Like I just... All right, you both are extremely nerdy, so I need to jump in (laughs) and advocate for the listener a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start unpacking this. So let's tell people what is Node. Node is a server-side library for writing server-side code in JavaScript. Right. So before before Node, you could, you really only wrote JavaScript for the browser, with, with right. some exceptions. Yeah. Node took the browser engine out of Chrome, the Google Chrome, and put it on the, on, the de- on the server, meaning any computer, really. And so suddenly you could run really fast JavaScript anywhere. But people would do it mostly in like a text editor or an IDE. Yeah. So Glitch is kind of a way to do that in the browser, right? What is a container? Ah, oh, man. I actually don't know the answer to yeah. this one. Full disclosure. Yeah. Like, so, like so many things. I always try to... Th- so I used to work with virtual machines a lot. Like I used to do consulting. Mm-hmm. And so anytime we started a new project, we'd have the harrowing week-long setting up our local dev environment. And then whenever somebody new joined the project, we'd have to go through the harrowing setting up their local dev environment. And containers allow us to... So instead of like doing it on the on the native machine, right. like making a virtual machine that runs a software. Yeah. Okay. Like a, so like with, in, in VM terms, like you're taking a snapshot. So like imagine if you're not a developer, but you have a computer. Imagine you lost your computer and you get a new computer. 
all of the work that's going to go into making your new laptop have the same stuff that your other laptop has. It's a nightmare. Nobody wants to do it. So with containers, you can basically like have your so-called laptop running immediately exactly what the other computer was before. And when you're a developer, you kind of need lots of different environments to play around with and work with, right? Because you're, yeah. you're sort of dealing with computers in the abstract, not just the one in front of you. Yeah. Okay. So Especially when you're doing consulting and you're working on different projects and different types of, you know, applications. I'm familiar with this. Okay. Yeah. Problems. So, yeah. So you're a big VM fan. Yeah. Yeah. I was super into sun products when i was in college oh, i was wow. okay. i was doing work with open solaris and stuff and then i kind of fell out of it when oracle bought them but it, it was a disappointing day yeah yeah and i was like very young and i was just like wait everything about this new i was just learning about open source and then i'm like wow all this can just be like taken away by like a large company and then i became an anarchist <laughs> that was that was the trigger that was it. so literally you were going like java's pretty cool and yeah. i like solaris java net beans and like Oracle. open office this is gonna be great forever you and me both <laughs> you and me both really totally you were gina was into solaris <laughs> and well, then i was in java yeah Sure. Java. Well, that's a tricky story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys miss Java? Uh, I still do write Java here and there. And I do some mentoring of current college students who are still learning Java. So I'm not doing any, I'm not like building galaxy collision simulators like I used to, but I still I feel help like you out do students. that once, right? Do you have to, like, how many times do you have to? <sighs> you know, it's physics, dying science, who knows how. <laughs> G- Gina, do you miss Java? Java lives on in the Android world, yeah. my friends. Oh, you're yeah. right. I mean, you're right. Java what am I is even alive thinking? and well. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> do you do do you do native apps at Postlight or is it all web? Sure. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So you're mm-hmm. still dealing with Android. We also yeah. do a lot. We do actually uh, increasingly more with React Native, but then you're always sort of falling yeah. back. So falling back on native code. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think I think Android when that came out. I thought that that was great. One, well, I'm I'm not really I'm very pro open web, not making native apps kind of stuff. But I do like what Android did to not make me have to explain the importance of Java to people because like Android brought it back. Yep. I still think Java has some of the best tooling of any of the languages I've worked on. I've worked with a lot of languages. And so when people now are like wax and poetic about how hard JavaScript is now, I'm kind of like, well, you know, maybe we should look back at the older languages that we were talking smack about for the past 10 years. What was your preferred development environment back in the day? So I was working at this IDE called JGrasp that came with my textbook uh, when I learned Java. And I actually really liked it. It was very simple. It didn't have all that many buttons I'm very much a minimalist. I don't like to add a ton of plugins. I don't mind typing out things. I kind of internalize better when I make mistakes and have to fix them myself than having the editor do that for me. Like actually programming. Right, okay. right. That's like a, yeah, yeah that, then, that's not a popular opinion. Yeah, anyway, no, okay. I know, I know. And then and, and now I work on an editor as a product and I get right. to hear all those things. But uh, then I got into writing PHP and then I got somehow sucked into the certified Zend PHP world. And Zend, wow. let's tell everybody what Zend is. This is, this is important. Zend is like a framework, a PHP framework created by the people who like work on PHP, I guess. And it is the biggest proprietary piece of bullshit. It's, like, it's a lot. It's and, and I remember I worked on a project with it and the client was like yelling at me because he's like, oh, like 
the license for Zen Studio, which is just Eclipse with Zen Autocomplete, costs like $500 a year. And what would Zen let you do? I can't even remember. It lets you write software and abstractions where the methods have no fewer than 500 characters in the name, which is why <laughs> Zen <Okay>. Studio <laughs> is so important. <laughs> help, help the listeners just a little bit. A little yeah. bit. So like, was it object relational modeling? Would it put stuff in the database? What did it do? I don't remember. It, it, it just did what PHP did, but like for with the Zen enter- in the name of everything. For the enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Like right now, there's like a lot of controversy in the Node community and a few people have forked Node. And like, I mean, there's tons of Node forks, but this one, they forked it. It's called uh, IO, A-Y-O, which is like sort of a play on the previous Node fork, IO. And, Which was just letter and I and I remember thinking like when this all happened like last week because they're still in the thick of that controversy, like the first thing they have to do is go in and find and replace Node with IO, mm-hmm. and I just feel like Zen PHP was like let's just take PHP and all the functions and just prefix each of them with Zen underscore. Do you have a hypothesis on why there's? That's so- not what it is, but that's just my idea. <laughs> why is there so much drama in the Node community? Because it's new. It's new, and I think that, and it's 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 hard to talk about because a lot of my friends, um, especially the ones who bring like diversity inclusivity to the Node community, are part of the IO fork, and the rest are mostly white dudes who are coming off as manipulative, but I don't think they're like that socially smart enough to be manipulative. I think that they're just so used to not having any boundaries, and now they're finally like hitting like pushback and. It's a community issue, and I feel like people are forgetting that you don't just have to fork, like, a code base. You can fork a community. Like, I'm not on any of these, like, boards or foundations and stuff like that. And, like, Node had nothing until the original IOJS fork, and then they created the Node Foundation, which is part of the Linux Foundation. And then they have, like, the working group and then the community group, and there's, like, there's just so many things and I'm like this is really boring and I'm not going to be involved in them because I already get yelled at on the internet why am I going to spend more time getting yelled at on the internet I'm just going to write node and I work on a product which I think even ignoring my bias is probably one of the most exciting node related projects to be happening right now and so I have we have a hand in this cookie jar like we want the the community to thrive but I also don't think that the community as exists right now is not the right one. So I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, we can retain that code base and just have other people do their own thing. I don't know. I On the technical side of things, like I think the diversity of code libraries is not the same thing as diversity of people designing and developing software. Mm-hmm. I think that if you have a technical working group that are all men, and they're all assholes, and you just have to deal with bullshit in order to be a part of that. I don't think that's as pressing an issue to make diverse and inclusive as if you had a consulting team or a software product team where they were all men who were jerks because you are closer to the user when you're working on a product versus when you're working on like the Node platform. Like my dad doesn't give a shit like about what the Node community like node core group looks like, but he would care if someone making a product that he's using doesn't consider like his needs as like an older man or or a less able man. 
But doesn't it all kind of count a little bit, though? Like, doesn't it, it make does, the product yeah. teams less likely or less wanting to use these tools if that's the issue? The boards and foundations are all, you yeah, know. yeah. That's and this is something that I encountered when I worked at Boku doing consulting was that we would have clients that, and this is another controversy that's going on in JavaScript. Uh, React became pretty big, and I was super into it. I love React. Um, I just really enjoyed riding that learning curve more than the other frameworks and. Then when it came to a client saying, what should we do? What should we use? And I'd be like, let's try React. Then it's like that patent clause that Facebook added to, to React that yeah. is complete. Like, I I wouldn't worry about it. But just the fact that they added it complicates things. And I'm not a lawyer. And so then my job as a consultant is like trying to figure out how to explain to a lawyer, a company that might have a lawyer, like why it's okay to use React, and large, it's like this is way be- this is beyond my pay grade at this point. And large organizations, their reaction to like my reaction to licensing as someone who likes to hack around, it's like ah, well, whatever, it's fine. Like it's Facebook, they don't care. Yeah. But then you go work anywhere big or deal with anybody big, and they're yeah. like, our thirty-five licensing team person, licensing team will need to have, sit down with you. you. Yeah, yeah. Why? I mean- I, I, I worked at the MBA on the stats.mba.com and I got into trouble because I had a fake license in one of my open source libraries that my coworker had used and the the manager, the CIO had seen this license. It was like the Jen Schiffer license. Oh, you no. use this, you owe Jen million dollars. <laughs> and it was like, so I good. heard the CIO yell my full name like across oh. its like cubicle nightmare. Like and I'm just like what? And he's like, what is this license? I'm like, oh no, it's like just a joke. I'll remove it. Because he's immediately like, Nick, remove everything Jenna's like done. And blah, blah, blah. Uh, Get so, RM. So, yeah, and that's, and that's like a... You were just having... Oh no, a... we use CVS. Oh. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> One login and Tortoise CVS. <laughs> yeah, that classic glass shatter noise whenever there was a merge conflict, which was always because we had one login to it. <laughs> There's some very upsetting sounds in it's computer It's a media history. company, not a tech company. But, <laughs> but ha- hearing your full name across like the open floor, that happens yeah. in my PM sometimes. And when she says my name aloud, I'm like, oh, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is not yeah. Good. The next 10 minutes aren't going to be good for me. Yeah. And I, I mean, on that floor, I was like the only woman. He could have just said woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> at least he used my name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sports oriented company. It's yeah. What do? Yeah. Woman. Yeah. Shiver. <laughs> All right. Let's come back. To, so, Glitch. Glitch. <laughs> In addition to inheriting all of the complexity of the modern JavaScript world and open source ecosystem and all the problems that are there, is a way to help people program. Yeah. Okay. So, what do I see when I go there? What happens to me? I'm a guy. I like to program. What do I? What happens at Glitch? So, if you go to glitch.com, it takes you to what we call our community site. There's a number of categories, information about Glitch. Categories are um, types of apps that you can see that we've curated. My favorite example to tell um, seasoned developers is like, imagine never having to roll your own OAuth again. Like, I've built a couple of OAuth apps that you can remix and then build on top of that so you don't have to do that. Because that's true. User management, login, logout, those are like years of your life go to those. Yeah, yeah. Every project. Yeah, every single one. So, so here, literally, I push a button. Yeah, yeah. You push a a button. Click a rectangle. Yeah, and then, you know, depending on what um, API. Like you're using, like if it's a GitHub OAuth, you have to like get your GitHub keys. Um, every Glitch project has a .env file where you can put those secrets in. 
And you can see the secrets, but if people remix your project or they view the source of your project, they don't see the secrets. So okay, so it's a I'm a way to deploy stuff like that. I'm a relatively skilled person. I've done this all before. And what you've done for that kind of user, you're saying is like, I just took away a lot of that stress. Like, yeah. you want to get something started. You don't want to roll your own OAuth solution. Just use ours. Yeah. You don't even want to like spin up an AWS instance or like go through all of that. I mean, I, I do a lot of education and teaching people how to code. And usually at the end of a two hour intro to HTML course, they have like an index.html page with like an image and a list. I usually do like recipe card kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when I move on to the JavaScript portion, it's like, how about a recipe book where you can paginate through those things. But at the end of the HTML course, like, great. What's the link to this? How do I show this to like my kid? Or like, how do I look at this later? And it's like, uh, oh, that's a whole other yeah, course. Yeah, it's a whole other course. That even I mean, I did I did DevOps at Boku, and for and a brief period of time, Boku's a like a JavaScript focused consulting firm, right? Yeah, in yeah. Boston, Boku is a, a a development agency that's like focused on JavaScript. Um, sometimes PHP, like WordPress stuff. Sure. Um, they're they're headquartered in Boston, but they're fairly remote. Okay, last I checked. Yeah, and so. Um, so you were dealing with this stuff at Boku and now And you're... it's hard. Like I was creating I was writing Ansible and, and Terraform and setting up a way to auto deploy our services and I mean one Friday afternoon I with a single command and ignoring a terminal like output brought down the entire infrastructure of the company. That's good. And took me like eight hours to get it back, which is actually pretty good. Yeah. Which said a lot about how we had set it up and we learned a lot in the process. But it's like it's a scary terrifying stressful like i like lost 10 years off of my life that one afternoon and so do you know what's the worst thing you ever broke oh i've broken so many I things paul and, and this isn't about me let's yeah. uh <laughs> let's keep talking about when things Whatever. are broke. no but, but like cosign <laughs> that just devops in general is difficult and it's this whole other thing getting things live yeah. uh and managing those environments and uh, it also isn't yeah. a real structured discipline except when it decides to be like like you go to the wiki page for devops and it's it's like hard to know where to begin when to end yeah so so, i mean it's the science and art of bringing servers up and down and programming on top of them and and calling it devops makes it sound like it's all worked out like oh yeah i got my devops degree but it's chaos yeah okay devops is like the construction company building a building and then like the fire department waiting to put out fires exactly exactly (laughs) yeah yep and it's like i'm i'm happy to like not like when I when I joined Fog Creek, it was like a few months until I was willing to set up my dev environment. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you were like, that traumatized. I was just like, I need like I need like three months before I have to type Vagrant up into a terminal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is the this is the thing about Glitch that's exciting to me because I I can't stand all the setup and deploy yeah. stuff. Like I just want to build. Yeah, um, and that's what it really takes away. You know what I would say is when you want to build, you want to build, and then there's this point where you're like, oh wait, this has to scale. Right. Yeah. But we tend to like pre-scale everything now like oh, i'm gonna get into this cloud mm-hmm. and just sort of like set up 600 services in order to and then i just want to go back to the thing you said right because people should understand this early days of the web be like oh i gotta put my stuff up on a website and you would ftp something and sometimes yeah. that looked like just dragging something into panel yeah or it looked like dragging stuff into a folder like you would yeah. fetch on the mac and you would just drag it and be like yes. this is my web folder with my web stuff and i'm going to put it on my web server by dragging it and the little dog his legs would run or he'd oh spin, yeah, <laughs> right. 
exactly and what you're so talking about. So that was how easy it was. Like it took about five minutes to learn what the basics were. And then everything got really secure and locked down. And then deployment became this thing. And people kind of forgot that middle, that lower range. But, yeah. you know, getting to the running dog, though, you needed to, like, get a web server, which, like, people didn't have. I'm not saying and that, it, Like, there was a lot leading up there. There totally but, yeah. was. But even, like, I'm a pretty skilled practitioner. It became exhausting to launch a website. Yes. There are all kinds of services. There are 50 services. So then you go read a Medium post about the 50 services. Then everyone would get excited about static or dynamic. And then, so that's why everybody gives up and hosts on WordPress. But... Um, you, hi everybody, hi WordPress community, big fans. We are, we love WordPress, we deploy it all the time. However, Glitch kind of brings that back. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a little running dog. Yeah, I think like I have probably, and Gareth, who's like our head of marketing, he's great, he goes through my GitHub repos of like yesteryear and he finds stuff like oh yeah we should like put this on glitch because i'm mm-hmm. just like anything that's on my github yeah let's like move it over because there's a lot of like fun stuff but there's a lot of like half finished things that are on my own computer because it's like oh i have this great idea i'm gonna spin it up real quick or like stay up until four in the morning and be like okay it's working on my machine like now i'm gonna get online i'm like oh i don't have time for this and then it just sits alone on my computer and and you just sort of and it's like demoralizing when you have like a really great idea that you think is awesome and now the way that we do it is we don't just like build a basic thing and build on from that it is this very like we have to add everything to the app from the beginning before we even have a hello world Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why javascript and front-end development seems so much harder now than it used to be because it is because we have a different way of thinking which i think is not right but i can understand why? Because we have this idea that we have to try everything out. And then we have more companies who are building for the web than they used to. You know, we used to have all these desktop apps. I didn't care if someone had a desktop app, but now everything's on the web. It's like, oh, what do they use? And then they release a style guide and open source their stuff. And yeah, it's great. The open source community is getting more content from companies. But then it's like this cult of personality of how we have to like follow everything they're doing. Sure. It's hard. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I just like banged something out like in a weekend. I feel like it takes me that long just to just to kind of get set up. And part yeah. of me was like, oh, maybe it's just because I'm older and I just have less time or like I have less patience. Um, but I, too, also have a trail of like, you know, kind of <laughs> a folder, a sad folder full of like, un, you know, published things yeah. that I started and was super like excited about and worked on for a few hours and didn't get there. But I, I love that idea of making that possible again. You know, I think it used to be easier. I just and like and this is. We were talking about IDEs and Java, and it was not a, it's not something I ever want to deploy in my life again, but Java would let you bundle up the Tomcat web server and write yeah, some code, yeah. and, hit, and you would hit literally hit play and start to see how that would work on the web, and it would take you five minutes to get to Hello World with yeah. a real full like app server level engine, and the same is also, tr- the same's a little bit true of Django, and the ones, that, the ones that let you have a working dynamic web server with one command are really good. I like that. Like a lot of the JavaScript frameworks do. I think like I loved Tomcat and I like that that had the sort of like web interface, play button, Mm -hmm. you know, pause and stuff like that. A lot of the JavaScript frameworks that are coming out and all the tooling is focused on the command line. And it's weird because the boom of computers in the household was to create a graphical user interface that was more friendly to everyone to use. 
And now, like, in terms of web dev tooling, we're sort of going back to, like, everything's in the terminal on this, like, old-looking screen. I kind of blame Amazon. I think you go, it's all just so, you know, you go to that web page where it's like, hey, log in to your Amazon Web Services, and then you just get eye-blasted with, like, 70 different icons. Icons. Yeah, I love that. So my, my former coworker was telling me, like, AWS is great because their documentation's so good. Uh-huh. And I'm like, the bar is so low. Like, yeah, yeah, they have everything documented, but I'm a very visual person. I can't read the manual. Like, that's yeah. not my... You also just used to explore and play through the windows and sort of learn the basics that way yeah. and then go back to the docs. Like, yeah. that was where the Mac was magic early days. So it's a shame to have lost that, I think. I think that's... Which is funny. Whenever I use AWS, I f- use the CLI so I could avoid all those logos course, and icons and stuff. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but the, the GUI tools created for command line stuff like git for example like github has their like gui client it's like not complete mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's like more hazardous to use than going in the command line and git is incredibly hard that's still like something i struggle with all the time and i've used all the versioning tools and it, i it's hard to you could lose a whole you could lose a whole afternoon Everybody, every the most experienced developers have Git yeah. WTF moments. We're yeah. just like, what is going on here? Everybody. Mm-hmm. And like, I still learn commands. I'm like, I had no idea that you could do this. It's true. Yeah. It's really true. It's also sort of joyless to go in. Like many technologies, even like old Unix man pages, if you're like, I want to learn a little more about how this works, you you poke around. Git exploration is particularly unrewarding. Like you're like, oh, I can do that. That, that's a, that man page makes no sense. And... I, I don't want to do this. Right. Like, yeah. It's hard to experiment. You kind of wait for a failure state, and then you spend six hours trying to figure out how to yeah. how to fix a failure so, state. And then they're like, the great thing about it, though, is that you have the full history. So you can just like delete everything and start from like a previous shot. It's like, oh, why do I spend a whole afternoon on this? I could just be like deleting all my company's servers. Well, they, <laughs> they built an enormous company out of how bad Git sucks. Like yeah. Git, That is what it's GitHub true. really does. It's is, true. You can look at things and find things and solve problems because the actual tool is bad. All right, so I'm a developer. I can go in. I can I can play around and mess around and, and deploy with my a little web server in using JavaScript really fast. Who else is Glitch for? Uh, I think that a great use case for Glitch is uh, for educators who want to teach code. You can create your own initial project and be like, okay, everyone go to this link. You can remix this and have your own copy of what this is, and now we can get started. When I used to teach CSS, I would start from like an already existing HTML project, and I'd be like, go to this bit.ly link and copy the source code, open up a text editor, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. It just sort of standardizes the like early learning process, removes that barrier to getting into it. Um, the thing I like about Glitch is that it looks like a standard code editor. It doesn't fit everything into one window, which some people miss when they're prototyping, mm-hmm. but I think that... I used to teach Java, and there was one semester where they were like, we're going to use BlueJay as an IDE, which is a very, like, visual drag-and-drop Java mm. IDE. And, like, Java's not a drag-and-drop language. They were trying to make it be, like, let's bring this down to, like, scratch level. But then the next semester, like, oh, we're not losing, using BlueJay anymore. Let's go back to JGrasp. And then all the students are like, what? What is this right. editor? Wait, where how, where do I click and drag things? And and I want to introduce people to code in a friendly, cool-looking environment, but something that they're not going to entirely miss when they move on to bigger tools. Because again, all these projects may scale at some point. Sure. There is this uh, startup based in New York called Lorem, as in like Lorem Ipsum, 
and they built their product and then like had to get rid of all of it and start from scratch and they wanted to raise money really quickly so they prototyped it in glitch and they raised a million dollars and they've since scaled to like a Heroku instance so it's mm-hmm. like a great use case for people who are prototyping something uh people who might not have a development team that but they're like a good product person and mm-hmm. they want to like raise funding it's easy i think it's easier now to raise funding without an actual product so everyone just an idea like, everyone who uses glitch can raise a million dollars everyone yeah that's actually yeah the next 10 people that sign up to glitch.com will get 10 million dollars <laughs> that's great that's just how funding's <laughs> going to work in the future send, s- send your login uh to fog creek care of anil dash how many people definitely anil dash how many people work on glitch so there are seven of us on the team, but we have other people uh, like marketing and product that also work on it. Well, and you're part of a larger company. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. We're part of Fog Creek, okay. which is about like 36 people, I think. And okay. yeah. And so I, <laughs> we had uh, our company offsite a couple of weeks ago, and I know that our team has seven because there was uh, me in the middle of the photo and then three guys on each side of me facing it. It was very prom photo like. <laughs> Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble for telling them. Sorry. Right. As long as you weren't on their shoulders. <laughs> I was like, oh, Cal, how about you all lift me up and yeah, lay yeah, down? It was, the pho- it was the photographer's idea. Uh, I think we all were kind of like, uh, uh Were yeah. you all wearing white? No, but I had a dress on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Dresses we'll, are cool. We'll see yeah. it. On, we'll see it on the glitch.com website. The nope. um, no, <laughs> no, no, not hard pass. <laughs> Okay, how did you get into this? Where did you start? What did you do? Uh, I went to a lot of college. Um, I got my bachelor's in computer science uh, in 2007. Job market sucked back then. So I was like... This is important to remember. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, there were no jobs for there people. There were no jobs. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, in fact, I was interviewing at agencies and they would ask for code samples and they all just like stole my code samples, which was like on them because it was like shitty PHP. But like... I will later see, and these are like all consulting companies that don't even exist anymore. And I see that their founders are looking at my LinkedIn, which is so great. Uh, <laughs> Satisfying. Yeah. But uh, I was just like, well, job market sucks. So I'm just going to go right into grad school. Um, when I started college, I was like, oh, I want to be a professor. I want to teach. There's a good grudge holding going on. Oh, I just want to call it out. I am just, I, I'm full of opinions and grudges. <laughs> you are, uh, so you get out of college, there are no jobs. Yeah. So you're like more college? So I'll do, I'm like, oh, I'll just uh, get my master's. Um, I was actually, at that point, I'm like, well, if I'm getting my master's, I might as well get my PhD and be a professor. And I, I had this thing like I my when I was growing up, my father like was manager of restaurants and I was like a cook at Outback Steakhouse at some point. And any job that I had, I was kind of like, wow, like this is like run by a bunch of goons. Like I can do this better. So I was like, okay, oh, one no, day I'm going to own my own restaurant. Stop. And then- <laughs> stop. We're going to need to unpack a few things here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... I'm assuming the stakes are prepared just like anything, but let's yeah. talk Bloomin' Onion for a minute. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love talking about how Bloomin' Onions are made. Let's talk are about they that. Okay. Make? Are they as fun oh, to yeah. make as so, they are so to peel as... First of all, there's no onion. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, I'll tell fry. you why there's no onion. Okay. So first of all, there are onions. At least back when I was working there, these large onions from South America called cock of the walk onions. Okay. We would slice them in half, and then we had like a thing that would- Is there a selection process in store, or do they come to you? They come to us, and so like I would just look at go- this onion, and like, this kind of looks gross or isn't like big enough and then okay so a, a 
onions have a certain plumpness. Yeah. And you select yeah. them. We select them. We slice them in half. We put it through, um, I forget the name of the thing that makes it the bloom shape. The bloomizer. Yeah. We take these garbage pails, which are not garbage pails no, that no, are used for garbage, no. but no. we fill them with cold water and we soak the onions overnight so that they swell so they're like even bigger. That's why the, you don't taste the onions because like they're not like it's just bitter f- anymore. It's right? just They've fried just been... plant matter. At right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then they're fried to order. Oh my god! So we so, just have these like garbage bins full of onions that were always in my friggin' way. So, so right now, <laughs> there's a lot. I, of, there are a lot of tears. Yeah, so, some more grudges, onions, as you can tell. So if I went to Outback Steakhouse right now and ordered a blooming onion, first of all, it has taken a beautiful journey from South America. Uh-huh. Second of all, it's been in a big garbage bucket yeah. all night long. Yeah. And third Getting of all, someone like Jen Schiffer has dropped it in a fryer after battering yeah. it. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't do the. I did more of the prepping because you had self respect. Yeah. You just, yeah. yeah, no. I'm well, you know, the the front of the line was uh, not not as my, my father was my manager, and he's like, oh, it's not a place for girls. Really? Yeah. What happened at the front of the line? It's just a bunch they of just, just a bunch of guys telling dick onions. jokes like oh. that. <laughs> oh, he was yeah. like, my daughter yeah. is not going to yeah. hang out with and these you know, guys, and you know, like. I always tell them, like, oh, you know how, like, people are, like, in kitchen restaurants, but, like, a lot of people have worked in a restaurant, like, the guys are always ask my dad, like, you know, can I marry Jen? So my dad had to deal with a lot of, like, the guys being like, oh, your daughter, uh, you know what I mean? Your, so, like, 17-year-old daughter. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah. I can see as a dad just being... As a mom, yeah. I'm enraged by the idea, yeah. honestly. Yeah, no, yeah. So, yeah. And, and also, was, it was weird as, like, my, my dad and I don't have much relationship. And so that was probably the closest we had ever been was when I worked for him. Sure. And so it was not only, like, I don't know. It was just a very interesting dynamic. And I was just looking to, like, make some cash so I can get out of there. So you had an aspiration to open your own restaurant, given yeah. this yeah, whole I was scenario. Yeah, like, I was like, these guys are all a bunch of ding-dongs. Like... I can like do this. So I my, I had always been like, oh, one day I want to open up a restaurant. And then when I went to college, some of my classes, some of the professors was like, these guys are ding-dongs. Like I could right. totally do this better. Um, <laughs> Witnessing incompetence is definitely one of my main motivators yeah, too. Like yeah. you, that you have no idea what you're doing. I, and I think, that, I think that's you. why I'm in community now. It's just like, oh, these people are ding-dongs. Like, uh, but yeah, I, um, I got my master's and, um, I had to take a leave of absence because my partner at the time got really sick and couldn't work. And that was like a whole other mess. And then we like ended things and I got, went back to finish uh, my master's on another project because I had like divorced my previous advisor, which is like a whole other thing that a lot of women in grad school actually experience and finished it probably five years after I had started. And at that time, I had become a department administrator in the computer science department that I got both of my degrees in. Because you literally were walking around there going, like, I could, this could I get could do done so yeah. much better. Yeah, and so I was doing curriculum planning, advising students, recruiting, like, basically, and teaching, like, doing a whole bunch of stuff um, with the professors that I was, you know, years before being, like, what a bunch of ding dongs, and then it got to the point where it did was you like, find them to be less ding dongy as time went on, or more? Absolutely dark? not. Oh boy. Oh god, absolutely. Not. <laughs> and and then when I was in a I guess, position, do we want to name this school, or is it better now not to name it? Um, I mean, people who can find out. It's Montclair State University. It's okay. a state university. Okay. I mean, it's. I will say, and and the women in that department saved my life. Like okay. I. When I was in high school, I was kicked out. I was basically homeless the second half of my uh, senior year of high school. And I was like, 
I'll join the Coast Guard. So I like got accepted to the Coast Guard Academy, and then I was like, wait, what the hell wow. am I thinking? And I was like, no, I'm not going to go to the Coast Guard, which they don't like to hear. Uh, <laughs> when they think they've recruited you, and you're like, JK, they're like, what? What? No, no, they, um, they, they, that's, what? That spreadsheet's already filled out. Yeah, you know? I know. <laughs> yes. You just uh, messed with somebody's bonus. But, uh, but I, I ended up getting this scholarship that doesn't exist anymore of course where it's like if you stayed i was going to school in new jersey if you stayed in new jersey at a state school we will pay for your tuition Mm -hmm. and so then i started getting calls from different departments of like different colleges that i never even like heard of because i wasn't paying attention really and then uh, the department chair of montclair state's computer science department this woman dorothy dreamer she does she's retired now she called and she's just like um we would love to have you in the computer science department. I was like looking at aerospace engineering and she was just like, we don't have aerospace at Montclair State, but we have computer science. We really love to have you here. And I was like, oh, like, and what's your role there? She's like, I'm the department chair. And I was like, oh, wow. Like you're the first woman I've talked to. Um, And she's really nice. And she was like, we have your like last few marking period scores. And I had a really shitty uh, AP calculus teacher who really disliked me. Um, it was a, it was like an abusive relationship um, from his end because I was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did poorly in the class because I just like stopped going. Uh, and so she was just like, "What? what is the deal? Like you were getting A's and then you got like a D this one marking period. And I explained it to her and she was just like, I totally get it. Like still want to come and like talk to you. And I was like, Wow, for once in my life, an adult listened to me mm-hmm. and like, yeah, like believed me. Yeah, and asked listened, me. and then yeah. was like, okay, yeah, I, I still see how that happened. I still wasn't sure how she got my phone number. That was like, I, I always get weird out when people call my number and I haven't given them my number, but I was just like, oh, this is like really cool. So I went to Montclair State. She retired before I became a department administrator, but she like busted her ass dealing with some of these professors that just seemed to like not want to do anything but just like fight her and then i was in a role where i was creating more work for them more work Mm -hmm. is in like their bare minimum and it just became a toxic thing and i remember one professor and i got into a fight and he was like you're never gonna be like a real engineer you're gonna be like working here for the rest of your life and i was like i'll get a job in two weeks and then two weeks later i was at the mba Nice. You're never going to be a real engineer. I hate yeah. And what was awkward is real I still coder, had to, I real still, engineer. I still had to teach a graduate web development course the next semester because I had like, I said I'd do it. And I was like, I'm not going to drop out. No one else would be able to teach it, which says a lot about the department back then. And uh, I saw him in the hallway like three months later. I just gave him the finger because I'm like, they're not going <laughs> to fire me. No one else will teach this class. <laughs> State yeah. school academic drama yeah. is a very specific thing. My dad yeah. was a, a college prof in, in um, a little state school and taught creative writing. And so I would just hear stories of the English department. Mm-hmm. And he was definitely one of the ones who just was like, I'm going to teach my classes and kind of hang back. He didn't want to be department chair. He just was yeah. doing his stuff. And um, yeah, there's something about those environments that just makes them go really toxic really fast. It's such a shame. It's And it's really hard to, I think, and I think it's a big part of, uh, an issue with diversity in technology because I have this personality where like if if a guy is like you're not going to do this and I'm like no I'm going to do it and then give you the finger three months later mm-hmm. but I've just been like blessed where I can like be in a position to do that I have a very like much and I think it's from being kicked out as a teen like nothing to lose attitude about things and but a lot of people have things to lose they have families they need to let you know what i mean i don't i i'm basically on my own and that's just my how i choose to do things and uh i just 
it sucks that I imagine that there a woman who entered my role after I left. I'm like, I couldn't imagine this happening to her. She had a few kids and I'm like, I just hope that they treat her nicer than they treated me. Like, it's not fair that they get away with those sort of things. And I thought that in academia, it would be easier for them to get away with things because of tenure. But then in tech, there's like this fake tenure idea where like Mm -hmm. everyone's getting away with everything up until like fairly recently, but still it's all kind of like smoky mirrors, I think. All right. So deep motivation from spite gets you to the NBA. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And couple other jobs than than glitch mm-hmm. okay yeah and then what so i've been in the industry for about four five years okay so pretty new yeah because it was the mba then boku for consulting for a few years and then fog creek but a little longer because you're getting i mean being a grad getting a grad degree feels like being in the industry in a weird way yeah That's and true. i was i was freelancing um because you know they don't really pay you all that much no. right in, uh yeah that school counts. or that even counts. as a you know i mean my, my benefits as a state employee were pretty rad if you're gonna go into academia go to a state school like i got like 25 percent off my phone bill mm-hmm. like it's just so yeah, weird they're good oh, with unions man, too the world yeah. is so yeah it's true. Yeah. yeah so what do you do all day yeah your title is community engineer yeah i'm gonna talk about that okay a little bit yeah um gosh what do i do all day well um i do a mix of writing apps in glitch for people to use you know for example like all those all things so no one has to do it just to show people what they can do with it so you're still kind of programming every day. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of like speaking conferences or podcasts and stuff. Um, that's the commu- part of the community part. Right, right, right. I mean, I'm on like Twitter and various other sites. Like, you know, I don't engage on Reddit, but I do look at what people are posting because people do post their glitch projects and stuff on there. So I'm just always like all over the Internet looking at what people are doing and reaching out and stuff. Basically just engaging with the community. What's the community like? The community is exactly what I had dreamed that it would become. Like and, and it's it's new and it feels like it's been super easy. It's been happening like on its own, but it's like a lot of very creative people who are always making things but not finishing them because there wasn't really a space online to build stuff. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things is that uh, the web VR community has like fall in love with glitch. Like there's this oh, project neat. out of Mozilla A-frame. And mm-hmm, like web sure. VR, like five years ago is like VR on the web. That's like not gonna be a thing. I can hardly get like my Ember project to like load up fast enough. And now there's VR in the web. And so people are sharing like some really cool fun stuff and then remixing and learning it. And in fact the A-frame community, their education resources use glitch primarily because it's like, hey, here's this cool free thing that will get this cool fun thing you made up and running immediately mm-hmm. yeah glitch isn't like a, a a community site in the way that i think about community sites like with comments and that you can't even really there aren't even really like profiles or like ways to send messages or like comments on other people's work so it's interesting but but you are remixing other people's work and you can contribute to someone else's so it's it's a little yeah. bit like github a little bit yeah yeah it's but with less talking to one another which is kind of cool <laughs> except in the comments yeah. of like the actual code or on in the work yeah we when i had first joined there was talk about like you know multiple users can be working on a, on a project um and we have this help feature where you can ask the community for help and let people in to help you out oh, um, right, right. and there was talk about like oh should we add like a chat and i started getting like heart palpitations because it's someone in the community i'm just like 
I don't think that we are technologically or emotionally prepared to handle right because like, being a platform of, right. for commu- like real time communication outside of like code comments and stuff like that. Right, the amount of moderation and just direction, right? Yeah, and right. sort of cat herding that that entails. Yeah, is, yeah. I mean, even like I, I joined in February and we didn't launch the the rename to Glitch until like a month and a half later, and so that same week we were announcing Glitch. And also me joining. And I remember Neil and I at lunch, like, talking to some of the other Fog Creekers about, like, we have to be proactive about this possibly being used as a tool for harassment since we have so much publicity going around it. And Neil and I love to be rabble rousers on Twitter. And therefore, we have quite a few people who dislike us immensely. Like, this is, like, a reality. And I was kind of, like... On the inside, I was like, oh, gosh, this is, like, how my, my coworkers that are fairly new are being introduced to me. Like, But, no, everyone there is, like, so great and, like, yeah. I think, you know, increasingly, too, people, we've all – everybody has seen the consequences at this point of, like, yeah. unfiltered harassment. And even people who aren't focused on that part of the world and ideologically don't have a lot of opinions – don't want to see lives just destroyed by the tool they're building. Right, yeah. Although, like, there are plenty of things that I've seen people make and have been used for harassment, and I say, like, what are you doing to stop this? And they're kind of just like, oh, it's just a few edge cases. And in my mind, and I think this is a very much like a designer mantra, is, like, there's no such thing as edge cases. Mm-hmm. Like, And I just would feel so guilty like if something that I was putting all of like my heart and soul into was being used to like remove someone else's heart and soul. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, the thing that's nice about glitch to me is that it's really about the work. Like it's about making an artifact. Yeah. And yeah. like not enough of the, everything has been for maybe the last 10 years about building a network where everyone will contribute to the giant hive. Yeah. And, and so that part's really fun. Like I made a thing. And yeah. That's a, that's an old, old school energy that I just really miss and so it's been fun to see that come back. And I think and I think it's bringing two things that are really important to me. One is like the whole view source like right. like culture cuz like how I learned how to build on the web's viewing source of pages and now how we're building websites sometimes like muddies up that source through our like build processes and like with glitch you can view the source of that as well as the server side like code which you can't do in browsers normally. And then the other thing is the idea of, like, ownership. Like, I'm always wary of using services that that I have to buy into their philosophy on how to code or, like, where my stuff lies. And with Glitch, it's just an editor. You can code how you want to code. And you can export it to GitHub. You can download a zip file. But, like, what you made is yours. You can take it. Like, someone's like, oh, what if I hit – we have, like, 128 megabyte disks limit right now and we haven't created any off-ramp like premium features yet where you could possibly expand but that's like definitely something we may have down the line but it might get to the point like an example of that startup that raised a million like they scaled beyond what we provide them and they moved on to heroku and it's like that's great like that's how technology works like we we love being like the sort of beginning of that story um, we don't expect you to have to stay with us and we're not going to like lock you into staying with us because it's just like it's not good for community and that's really what we're trying to focus on. If people are creating value and in their in their world and then there's you can't capture all that value, that's okay. That's just the, like that ideology has arisen where it's like you have to capture all the value created on your platform and make sure you just don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that also applies when you work somewhere. It's like 
people may leave your company. They should be your like alumni, not your ex coworker, ex employee. Um, I mean, I've had when I was when I left the MBA, the uh, CIO was like, "You'll be back. I'll put money on it or whatever," and like was like pretty rude to me. And you know, there was no reason for that. They could have just said like, "Oh, we're glad that you started your journey with us." No, no, and we have a, yeah, glad to have had you as long as we yeah, did. And yeah, like, so it's like, and we not- have a party with toasts. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, sometimes nice. you're not in the mood. Sometimes you're like, "I have to replace you now." And yeah, that's exhausting. Yeah, but at the same time, like people need to go on and do the thing that they need to do. Right, my right. lord. Yeah, that's that's just not even that complicated. It's okay if somebody's entire life and vision doesn't align with your needs. Anyway, my goodness, <laughs> I, I will say that the thing this conversation made me want to do more than anything else is just go screw around with JavaScript on the internet. Yeah, I yeah. know. I know. Let's thing. write some server side code in the browser, but also browser code in the browser on, on Glitch. Let's do that because we have a lot of time here at Postlight <laughs> these days. Um, that's a little that's a little joke for the audience. Postlight is very, very, very busy and so is Gina. Like Gina particularly is very busy right now. And But we're very uh, available to help you. We are. We dear are, listener. No, we're working together to find the balance in our lives that we so need. Um, so let's thank... Jen Schiffer for coming in and talking to us. Thanks for having me. It's been yeah, great. Thanks for coming in. This is great. You uh, both are great. Thank you. You're great too. Oh, thank you. oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> so Gina, let's say goodbye to the nice people. Thanks for listening to Track Changes. This was a lot of fun. You know, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at hello at postlight.com. That's all there is to it. Hello at postlight.com. Yeah. You could also choose to give this a five-star rating on iTunes. That's up to you. That's a choice that you get to make and We'll never know. We will never know. So, uh, but, but we'd love to hear from you. And we'll feel the generosity radiate back towards us. So if you need something built, and actually if you are looking for work, we are looking for product managers and we are looking for engineers and we are looking for uh, designers too. So hit our website at postlight.com um, or just send an email to hello at postlight.com and we will route you appropriately. Thank you everyone for listening. Jen, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Okay, bye everybody. Have a good week.